This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Why didn't I know about this? Because Chief Lutz doesn't have the guts to hear the truth from real cops. That's why we had to go undercover with Detective Foley to solve this case. That cuts it, Taggart. You're fired. Yeah? Kiss my ass. Kiss mine. You're fired too. Lutz. Isn't that right? I think I've just about had it with your abusive attitude. I'm sorry. I get carried away. I'm sorry. It's you are fired. Do you understand that? Don't overreact, Ted, please. You're fired. I want you out of here now. Get out of here! Fired! You'll regret this, Ted. I regret it now. I've regretted it for the last two months. You'll, You'll regret you. this. You're out of here. Get out of here. Will you get out? Get out! Are they civilians now? You bet. I'm gonna kick your ass later. <laughs> Beverly Hills Cop 2, 1987. Gentlemen, here's the summary. The hard-nosed Detroit cop from the original film returns to Los Angeles to help solve another case. This time he must direct his efforts toward unraveling the alphabet crimes, a series of robberies committed by leather-jacketed punks. The investigation puts him on the trail of an illegal arms dealer and his hit lady. 47% on Rotten Tomatoes. The critics' consensus says this on Rotten Tomatoes. Eddie Murphy remains appealing as the wisecracking Axel Foley, but Beverly Hills Cop 2 doesn't take him or the viewer anywhere new enough to justify a sequel. $27 million budget turned into $250 million at the box office starring Eddie Murphy, Judge Reinald, John Ashton. And then you had Bridget Nielsen, a young Chris Rock, Hugh Hefner, and Gilbert Gottfried all had roles. Oh, yes. Young Gilbert Gottfried. Yep. And maybe even younger Chris Rock. Yep. And that is, this is early Chris Rock here. I got thoughts on that. You, you recognize who the female henchman was too, right? Bridget Nielsen Bridget? Yeah, from Rocky IV. Oh, yeah, Rocky she IV. was a 1980s Mrs. icon. Yeah. yeah, I mean, she's in all kinds of stuff in that era. She was married to Sylvester Mark, Stallone for Mark a while. Mark Gaston in right? 1.2, right? Was she? Okay. I think she was married. Yeah. Flavor Flav. Her Flav. and the sack man were oh married. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, Flavor Flav. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, I didn't know about that. Oh, yeah. That was, they, they made a, know I knew They about. made a VH1 reality show out of her and Flavor Flav like 15 years ago or really? something. Really? Rock of Love. Or, uh, not Rock of Love. Um, dang it. Celebrity something. Yeah. Oh, Brigitte. Oh, great. Rock of Love's great, though. Yeah. Paul, drink of water. All right, so we'll start with Judd Zilgay. What was your key takeaway from Beverly Hills Cop 2? Let me see. Hold on. Let me find my notes. <clears throat> hard copy. Okay. Yeah, here, yeah. here's the hard copy. Okay. This was the very definition <laughs> of a 1980s film and completely running it back. This was the 2010 Vikings. <laughs> There was no thought given to what the future, what they, I mean, they basically said, Beverly Hills Cop, 
That was a hit. What can we do? And somebody said nothing. <laughs> That's the key thing. Okay. They completely lifted the blueprint from the first one. They threw in a few more people, i.e. Brigitte Nielsen, and they did nothing else with this whole thing. They did nothing. They didn't advance the storylines. They didn't advance the characters. In fact, if anything, they made the characters worse by trying to make them different. Um, But it was. It was the 2010 Vikings. It was amazing. It was um, what a six and ten disaster. Let's yeah. Let's get the band back together here. Let's get everything. All right. um, I'll go next. (laughs) (laughs) This movie was terrible. (laughs) Yeah. This is one of the worst sequels in cinematic history. Yeah. This movie. I mean, and by the way, good for them for like. 10xing their budget on this movie. They got I mean they turned a 27 million dollar budget into 250 million dollars with absolute slop and crap. Mm-hmm. Now, if we ever get to the point, I don't think we will. Maybe we will in like a year. Beverly Hills Cop 3 takes place at like a valley fair. It takes place at like an amusement park. So, they really jumped the shark and on the third one. There's a four that's still pending. Are you serious? Oh yes. My God. There's a four that is still has been in the works for years and is still potentially pending. That's amazing. I, I read this Rotten Tomatoes, this this sort of high-level summary, and I'll read it one more time here. The critics' consensus. We've done about 45, 50 of these now, these movies, going back. The, the first action movie rewind I think we did was like in late March last year. And so we're coming up on a, a year, one-year anniversary of Mackie and Jeb movie reviews. I have never agreed more with a critic's consensus than this. Wow. Eddie Murphy remains appealing as the wisecracking Axel Foley, but Beverly Hills Cop 2 doesn't take him or the viewer anywhere new enough to justify a sequel. Everything Judd said is 100% right. You brought back basically just the same themes, a verbally abusive, incompetent police chief who's wrong at every turn, right? Yep. You bring back Axel breaking laws, cutting corners, and... Sneaking away from the Detroit police. It's, it's the same plot. Yes. It is. It's the same plot, yes. or it's, it's the same sort of framework. Exactly. Making Billy and Rosewood do things they don't really want to do. It's all the same thing, but well, with just like a 50 times more confusing, weird, and nonsensical plot. What about my pension? <laughs> it's like, so that's my main takeaway is that this movie was an absolute disaster. I mean, Declan? It's, <laughs> it was. <laughs> You guys hit most of it. Um, it's it's like I was so disappointed halfway through. I was like, "Man, like we're just." I think all three of us are just going to savage this movie. Yeah. Unfortunately, here it, we are. It, it's a sequel. There's cameos. There's ridiculousness. Um, it at first I was kind of intrigued. Honestly, the first twenty minutes, I was like, oh, okay. Yep. This actually seems okay. I, I it's yeah. just going to be like the first one. Agreed. Oh, and, Axel, uh, he's stopping a construction project. Yeah. He's going to go into this house. Like a credit fun. card fraud. You know, he's like he's he's being the typical swindler that he is. Um, and then the thing just like completely dragged on. Like the whole part of I recognize the clay in this shoe, and this is where he was at the like. It just it didn't make any sense. Like yeah. they were on the goose chase hunt. It was a bad film. It was a very bad film. All right. Well, what's your That's... favorite part, Judd Zolgad? <laughs> okay. We'll get to the next one. Your favorite part of uh, Beverly Hills Cap 2. <laughs> you broached it. The cameo of a young Chris Rock as a valet yeah. at an actual, because they, they had so, so much of a budget to work with, an actual Hugh Hefner appearance party. Mm-hmm. That was my favorite part. Hugh Hefner, my... not a great actor. No, no he's not. I, I think you guys should leave now. I don't know. I, I don't know any of you guys, but 
That was it. Like, I saw Chris Rock. I'm like, that's a really young Chris Rock. This is, and, and he was probably thrilled. He probably thought, I get to act with Eddie Bleep and Murphy. This is going to be the highlight of my career, which didn't turn out to be the case. Um, but this film to me was broken down into, I guess, just a few things that I thought were amusing or intriguing. Um, surprisingly, I don't think I had seen any part of this film before. I don't remember hmm. coming across it on like TNT on a Saturday afternoon. I don't recall seeing a small part. Uh, but yeah, the Chris Rock cameo, sad as this might seem, was actually the highlight of the film to me. This was the second movie he was ever in. He was in a movie two years prior called Crush Groove. And, and 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 so he was credited in in Beverly Hills Cop two. He was credited as Parking Valet was the name of his character. In the first movie he was in, Crush Groove, he was credited as person standing next to club phone during fight. <laughs> wow! <laughs> and then he was in Miami Vice for an episode in 1987. Um, and then and then Chris Rock uh, made his way to SNL in 1990. I mean, I think at, even at this point in the movie, I was like, I was distracted. I was like looking down at my phone. I wasn't paying attention. And then all of a sudden, I heard Chris Rock's voice. I was like, oh, wait, wait a minute. And I got hooked back in for, and then what, he had maybe five lines, like not yeah. even that. No, not even that. Yeah, he like five words. or even. Where am like, I supposed to park this? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was your favorite part too, Chris Rock. What was your favorite part, yeah, Declan? Yeah, uh, I think this probably was the same favorite part I had in the first one. But it was just like, it, it was just Eddie Murphy being the typical undercover cop, so like swindling as a credit card scammer, and ins- a building inspector, a delivery guy, just his banter. And like, I, I got to imagine a lot of that was improvised too. Like, I got to imagine that's like classic Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Like, just turn on the mic and go. Okay, Eddie, so you're going to walk up to a construction site at this home, and you're just going to, your your goal is to get everyone to leave. Go. Yeah. Hey, 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 what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Can I have your attention, please? Stop working. Dude, The fa- actually, the fact that this movie is even at all watchable is a huge testament to how talented and funny and entertaining Eddie Murphy is, oh, yeah, right? Awesome. I mean, like, oh, I'm just going to watch Eddie Murphy play a fun character for two hours. Yes. So that's pretty much what the movie is. So, yeah, that was probably my, that was a, and, and the cameos. Yeah, G- Gilbert Gottfried made the cameo, hey. too. Which was also hilarious. Yeah, for sure. Okay, uh, so that was my favorite part. My my favorite part of this movie, actually, we played the clip near the top of the show. There was the end of the movie where the mayor shows up, and now you gotta. I get that the, the plot was convoluted, and we'll, and we'll get to that. But like, this was this was an in depth murderous group of criminals, mm-hmm. and and a plot in terms of like what they had to untangle as a as a police force that involved. Fraud. It involved theft. It involved murder, and it involved like heads of businesses that were involved. Like it was all these different uh, high level and and just straight up uh, felonies, right? And so the mayor comes in. You've got the police chief disagreeing with his with his cops, uh, Rosewood and Taggart. They're disagreeing on like what the crime was or what. No, I solved the alphabet crime. No, right. you weren't paying. It's this right. And without any investigation, without any sort of digging or anything or questioning, the mayor just comes in and decides, um, you're fired. And you're fired. You guys are both out of here. You're both fired. Here's the clip. Why didn't I know about this? Because Chief Lutz doesn't have the guts to hear the truth from real cops. That's why we had to go undercover with Detective Foley to solve this case. That cuts it, Taggart. You're fired. Yeah? Kiss my ass. Kiss mine. You're fired, too. Lutz. Isn't that right? 
think I've just about had it with your abusive attitude. I'm sorry, I get carried away. I'm sorry. It's you are fired. Do you understand that? Don't overreact, Ted, please. You're fired. I want you out of here now. Get out of here! Fired! You'll regret this, Ted. I regret it now. I've regretted it for the last two months. You'll regret you. this. You're out of here. Get out of here. Will you get out? Get out! Are they civilians now? You bet. I'm going to kick your ass later. And then right after that, the mayor thanks the, oh, thanks for undercover uh, copying your way to figuring out this case. We'll see you guys later. Yeah, see you okay. Later. Peace out. I guess there's no one, there's, we're not going to do any digging on what <laughs> Axel's going here. home to All Detroit. Right. It's going to be great. Cool. Good talk, everybody. All right. Your least favorite part of Beverly Hills Cop 2, Judd. You just played the character. Every scene involving police chief Harold Lutz. Yeah. Was as cliched and late. First of all, the guy couldn't act. Okay. But let's put that aside. All right. The writing for this character was as lazy as you could possibly get. His one continuing line until the scene that you just played, Phil, was, you're on traffic duty. Now you're on traffic duty. Get back to your traffic duty. He, it's unbelievable. It, It was like, it was like they said, okay. We're paying Murphy, Reinhold, a couple people beyond that. Uh, we're blowing some stuff up. We are out of budget. But what should we do for the rest of the characters? We'll get that guy at the deli to play the, the role. It was unbelievable. Also, too, like in terms of the, the traffic cop angle, it just didn't make sense. I get that it's – and they made reference to like, oh, we have new bosses and it's much more of a political environment here now and so – but. But those guys also went undercover and cracked a huge case just a couple years earlier in the initial movie. Like, they should be regarded as, oh, these guys have a keen sense. Yep. If these guys smell something. They're detectives. Yep. The, these guys, should, we should probably trust their instinct. And yep. all of a sudden, we just, two years later, we just we just don't trust these guys to sniff out a major crime case. They're yep. just traffic and, cops. And, it doesn't make sense. And plus, the end was, it sucked. The end was awful. <laughs> like, there was no thought given to... One, the explosions weren't that good. Two, the actual shootout scenes weren't good. And it just sort of ends. Like, it's like they're like, okay, you know what? This is the last day. Mail this in. We don't care. There was, like, no thought given to three or four steps I think to they, this film at all. I think they thought that the the Brigitte Nielsen goodbye Mr. Foley thing, I think they probably thought that that was the iconic moment, right? Right. She's pointed at the, she, you know, she's sitting there with her stylish outfit. And but even hair. that was sucked. You knew she was going to die. Yeah. And it was going to be Taggart. Let's get out. And his line is Women. 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 <laughs> Let's get out of here. Just kill them. Okay. I mean, like, what are you doing? Going to the bar? Let's yes. get out. You were just involved in a major shootout. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, that combined. Also, too, on Chief the end. Lutz. So before Chief Lutz comes up and reams them and then gets fired himself, their strategy was. Oh, we're really in trouble now. Just don't say anything. Maybe no one like yeah, Billy. Don't, don't Billy, anything. just keep quiet, Billy. It's ridiculous. All right, Dex. What was your least favorite part of this? Uh, movie? Harold Lutz was led 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 mine too, but also uh, no Lisa Eelbacher. I was smitten in the first one with her. I loved her. Which one? The main, the female lead in, in oh, the first one. His friend. Oh. I loved her. Sorry, yeah. She was great. She was she she hit all my eighties eighties things that I like yep. in a woman, and she was they just removed her. You wanted there the to film? be like a little arc story yes. where she probably and Axel, cost too she's much. Pregnant, and Axel's going to be a dad. They should have cost too she much. She was worth it. She would have been worth it in, in my budget. So uh, I I didn't like that. Yeah, Harold Lutz stunk. Like it wasn't even just the fact his character was pretty hateable. His acting was awful. It was not good. The plot was extremely messy too. Um, 
But I would say with with those two things, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that we could probably nitpick here, but those were my, at least my, my least favorite parts. So my least favorite part was just the weird, convoluted plot. Yeah. I mean, I get that I was mentally I was sort of zoning in and out, and I was I definitely was multi-screening with two basketball games last night. So, Trafficking guns, yeah. I will admit that I watched this movie. I've seen this movie before in pieces and kind of thought, oh, like, I can have a basketball game up while I watch this movie and stuff. And I realized about 30 minutes in, like, what's the Wait, did I miss something? What, like, what is the plot? So I'm going to read you guys the plot from Wikipedia as they explain the two, the two different things that are happening here. And okay. you tell me if, if this makes any sense or if this helps clarify. Mm-hmm. So the alphabet crimes, you saw them pass out for sure a couple, like an A and a B. There was a robbery off the top of the movie. And then Bogomil got shot up. And by the way, uh, Brigitte Nielsen is proven to be just a terrible shot in this movie. She has, she has uh, Detective Bogomil point blank up against a car, pointed right at him, fires rounds right into his body, and he doesn't die. No, he's going to live. My dad's going to live. He doesn't die. And then we, like, never really hear from him the rest of the movie either. He, he, right? Did he ever come back? Yes. At the very end. At the end. very he's, end. Okay, that's right. He is named that's right. the, the police, new yeah. police chief. But the best part is it's so clear that they shot all his scenes in one day. Yes. And then we also, she, you know, she was point blank with a machine gun and in that warehouse with Axel Foley toward the end of the movie. And, and Axel just rolls out of the way with his jeans. <laughs> he just dives. At one point, he dives and suspends himself in the air. And you're like, he gets shot for sure. And she still doesn't hit him. Yeah, she's like, oh, so she was a bad shot. But, oh, God. So here's, here's the summary of, of the plot. The alphabet crimes, a series of mostly high-end store robberies distinguished by their monogrammed envelopes. With an alphabetical sequence, the assailants leave behind. Okay. All right. All right. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, and then when it comes to, like, figure out how everything is interconnected. So Axel has Bogomil's daughter, Jan, use her connections as an insurance agent to find out about Maxwell Dent's financial dealings. Dent is robbing his own businesses on purpose in order to finance firearms transactions with an arms dealer named Nikos. And is discreetly using Kane, who runs the firearms place, as the front man for his operations. Bogomil was shot because his investigation was on the correct track to crack this case. None of that makes any sense to me. I'm sorry. Like, I don't understand. Okay, so you didn't pay attention completely. So there, there's, a scene, there's a scene near the beginning where Axel calls Bogomil, or no, Bogomil calls Axel and cancels their fishing trip. And he's got the papers out that that are are clippings from from the paper about these crimes, mm-hmm. and so the insinuation is he's canceling because he is moving in on the crime, what's you know the trafficking of guns. So that's what that's supposed to show. But there are clearly scenes that they just cut that explain things. But why that make no sense? Then and I get I get <laughs> I get the part that Bogomil was on to it. But what I don't understand is okay, so. Your goal as an organized crime syndicate, of all the things you could be doing, mm-hmm. your goal is to, I'm assuming, is it steal firearms and then sell them, like Taggart said later in the movie, and sell them for 10 times as much in Colombia or whatever? Like, that's what they were doing? Removing them, yes. I don't know how exactly. That's, yes. I don't know, man. Yes. Oh, also, weird. what was up with that indoor gun range in general? Like, I, it, it was just a piece of, like... It didn't look like a gun range. Like, I've been to a gun range. It's been a long time. It was nice. 
But it was like a like a movie projecting screen because even then when Axel pulls out his gun and like shoots three of like bullets yeah. through the screen, yeah, yeah, that, that's like, thousands of dollars in damage that he just oh, did. Oh, he to did that major place. damage and they didn't. So care. like then, but okay, like and and I don't know guns that well, but like he has some type of little revolver there. Everyone else has like assault rifles. They don't puncture, but the red the thing. No, they're um, are they bad? Are they weird bullets? Yes. Like they're special. Got it. I just thought the whole gun range. I was like, I don't understand that's why what the hell's red. going on here. Okay. Interesting. I just got my two guns. I don't worry about. But they clearly <laughs> cut. But they clearly cut out a, a bunch of stuff that didn't explain things. Right. Then. Yeah. So, so the the guy who was buying the guns, um, who is shown a lot, but I think has no lines, is a guy who was in CSI, I believe. He's been in a, a ton of stuff. Um, he clearly had scenes that got cut. Okay. Because he just sort of is around, but he never has a line. And mm-hmm. it turns out that he he was like a linchpin. To the actual selling of the guns, they never really explained that. Yeah, yeah, they, and they didn't care. It's possible they cut twenty or thirty minutes out of this thing. And we're like, oh, this drags. We this just was, get to the action part, or even the strip club part. Like, was that necessary? Like, I know they do it in the first one, and that's probably yeah, why it was I, just an homage to the first one. I thought the same but that thing. That scene was completely unnecessary. Here's Hugh Hefner, by the way, the Playboy Mansion part. Are we having a problem here? Hef, Hugh Hefner, Axel Foley. I'm sorry, I feel like I know you already, because you know how many times I put your magazine up and forget about it, it's not important, but I, I just want to give you some background on some of your guests here. This is Thermopolis, he's into guns and drugs, you have to, and this is Max, and Max kills cops for a living! Well, I don't know him, or you. I think it's time that uh, all of you left. I happen to be a major contributor to this, and we appreciate it. Goodbye. Goodbye. She appreciates it, Max, but take your ass home. You outdone, you're welcome to stay too long, but it's been real, it's been nice. Everybody, party's over. Max f***ed it up for everybody, so let's just go home. Who are these party poopers? Like, you go to these Playboy Mansion parties, what and they're the just like is this too? criminals like Max. <laughs> but is this like a Wednesday? It's a Wednesday at the Playboy like, Mansion, Like, I don't, man. like, when's this party? <laughs> No. Do they have parties <laughs> and the, just on random Wednesdays? Yeah. I got, I got a lot of questions. Assuming so. Uh, this is Gilbert Godfrey's party. Um, um, I'm quite sure, man, your position understands that uh, my contact down at headquarters wouldn't want his name to be known. Don't I know it? Right. Don't so I could, know could it? Could you excuse me for a second <laughs> while I... Uh-huh. Oh, you're going to... Yes. Yeah. It's yeah, secret. It's like a James Bond thing. Exactly. Sure. Yes, so yes, you, yes. Thank you. No problem. Hey, no problem at all. Anything you want to use. I don't want to hear it, Billy. Oh, I'm going to lose my pension, Billy. Um, underrated favorite part of this movie, actually, on the Playboy party, <laughs> when they walk in and Axel gives a pep talk to his manhood. Oh, yeah. Look alive out there, boys. He like, taps <laughs> <Don't> himself. <laughs> we, we waited our whole you'll, lives you'll for this. You'll never be here again. <laughs> I like how Rosewood and, and what's-his-name also grabbed beers. Like, they just like they didn't care. They just cracked a beer. They are like, oh, we're going to enjoy this party. Yep, yep. All right, what was the least believable part of Beverly Hills <laughs> Cop 2? Okay. Here's mine. Clearly having become bored with car chases, mm-hmm. Rosewood commandeers a dump truck from who knows where and proceeds to cause Dukes of Hazard-like chaos, okay? It, it was, and the dump truck thing, it wasn't even funny. It wasn't even funny. And, and then he parks it at the mansion, uh, and that's when Chris Rock comes in as the valet. Like, they were so out of ideas. And and every time, basically in the back half of that film, that Rosewood drove a vehicle, 
he was mysteriously like driving on sidewalks and stuff. Like the car was spinning out and he'd be driving and there was no really good point of why. No reason why. That to me, they were just so bored. And it was like they kept saying, Well, let's throw this in. He'll he'll take out some uh he'll take out a fire hydrant, it'll be funny. Yeah. He'll drive on a sidewalk for no reason. So the dump truck and the whole driving thing to me. It didn't track at all. It didn't make any sense. I think people were just, in general, more easily entertained by things in the 80s and, and 90s. There just wasn't as many things people. to be. They rob people of their money for this movie. Although I say that now, it's like we're easily entertained by like dumb TikTok videos. Right? Right. For 20 minutes yesterday in bed, I was watching TikTok videos. Yeah. <laughs> I did not do anything. I literally went like this, and I was like, oh, my God, it's almost midnight. I got to go to bed. But you know what, Dex? You didn't pay to do it. People uh, yeah. paid to see this film. I paid $10 a month for WWE Network, so, I mean, you can make a case. Yeah, but you enjoy that. I do enjoy that, but people would be very confused anyway. why I do that. What was the least believable thing for you in this movie? Yeah. It was the opening scene of the uh, jewelry heist, per se, and so they, like, they threaten everyone. They don't kill anyone in that in that jewelry center, but at the same time, everyone makes it out alive. I'm pretty sure you'd be able to identify who that person was, the woman who was orchestrating this whole thing. Maybe not all the robbers, because there was a lot of them, with, and I think they had their classic ski masks on or they whatnot. Yes. But she didn't, right? She, I think she was normal. I think she had an open face on. I don't think she had a disguise. And then also, as she leaves, she just shoots down a chandelier with an assault rifle, can just puncture a chandelier and just drop it. I just thought the whole opening scene was completely ridiculous. Yeah. I'll add to what Dex said. I think the idea, and this is all due respect to Brigitte Nielsen, but the idea that someone so glamorous and horrible at shooting guns can be like the lead henchman for this Maxwell Dent. Uh, you got to have a goon, man. Like you got to have you got to have someone who can. Good bad guy. If Axel Foley is rolling around in a wide open, you know, warehouse space. Yeah. That you can take a machine gun and saw him in half. Okay, I don't. I don't need this gal. No, nope. just give me a sharpshooter. I don't Not care if it's a man or a baby. woman. Doesn't matter. Got to be a goon. Um, okay, I have for you guys real quick here a couple things: production notes and also this movie. As terrible as it was, I started thinking about other things besides the movie that would be fun to talk about. I have my own Mount Rushmore of SNL actors. Like once they left SNL and then started doing their own movies at the peak of their movie career. This is my Mount Rushmore. Are okay. you ready for this? Actually, we should probably do uh, a segment within a segment here. We don't. We, we so haven't these, done and, Mount Rushmore. And, and in these a while. are actors that left SNL and were and were better for it. Like what? What they le- so they left SNL and then and then became movie stars, maybe even above and beyond their SNL careers. Okay. Right. First, Mount Rushmore is easy. It's the cliche Mount Rushmore sports talker of the week with Maggie, Judd, and Rami. That is why I would put him on the Mount Rushmore. Those would be my four. All right, pour one out for Rami. We'll, uh, we'll get him on again sometime. Here's my four. Yep. Eddie Murphy. Okay. Will Ferrell. He's jumped the shark a little bit in the last 10 years, but yeah, Will Ferrell at his peak. And... Yep. Yeah. Adam Sandler and Chris Farley. Tina mm. Fey is like right there, but I don't think Tina Fey Kirsten is Wig in my close? four. Kristen Wiig is, is in the mix. So I'm going, I'm going Eddie Murphy, Will Ferrell, Adam Sandler, and Chris Farley. Ooh. Would you guys take issue with any of those? Does Belushi... It doesn't for me, but it might for you. I mean... Because I was born in the mid-'80s. And he saw didn't it. live I, a real long time, but he did some fun stuff. Chris Farley, kind of the kind of the same deal there. Yeah. Well, and... Blues Brothers. 
I feel like was Animal was House. Farley's peak though SNL. I feel like Farley's peak was Tommy Boy, and w- and he was gone from SNL by then when Tommy Boy was out. Cause I thought, Black Sheep, Tommy Boy. Right, I, know, I know the era. I thought maybe he was still around, but maybe he wasn't. Spade yeah. make SNL. It? Spade doesn't make it for me. I, I think Spade's peak was SNL, and yeah, his agree. stuff afterwards was never as. I mean, I love David Spade, but um. No, I don't think because you look like him. Because I am him. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. I don't know I that you're him. He's really rich, but you do look like <laughs> him, fun. Dex. Yeah. So that's the Mount Rushmore. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay. Production notes: Paramount Pictures had planned a television series based on the first film. Yeah. Eddie Murphy turned down the television series, which is funny because that's probably they would probably do like a Netflix. You know, whoops, flinging my, my pen all over the place. Um, they'd probably do like a Netflix thing or something like Cobra Kai, right? So he turned down the TV series, but he was willing to do a sequel movie. So producers of the movie, including Jerry Bruckheimer, hired Tony Scott to direct due to his success with the 1986 blockbuster film Top Gun. So mm. Tony Scott goes from Top Gun to Beverly Hills Cop 2. Yeah. What what happened? Oh, well, I mean, he made bank off of it. It, no, was, it I know, was a box office but success. But I mean, clearly he didn't care about what he produced. The film was originally to be set and filmed in London and Paris. This However, is, yes. the script was rewritten after Eddie Murphy expressed a reluctance to film outside of the United States. Yes. That's hmm. interesting. To me, to me, that is probably why they said screw it. We'll just do the same movie. Exactly. Just, yeah, that's fine. They probably just said, you know what? We've got a bankable superstar, right? Yep. Bleep it. Let's just have him be Eddie Murphy for an hour and a half. That's yeah. fine. Just just go out there, do your Eddie Murphy thing. Yep. And speaking of that, Eddie Murphy's salary to star in the movie was $8 million. The cost of the entire movie was 27 look at So they paid Eddie Murphy like a third of their entire budget to be the star Which of Which is why thing. your friend, Declan Goff, was not back. Yeah, probably. They probably couldn't I afford her. Makes sense, yeah. It's unfortunate, yeah. though. So, so what was those are your production notes. That's interesting. I was going to look here what what he also made for forty eight hours too, because um, I thought I saw that a couple of weeks ago, and I thought it was uh, dude eight million dollars oh, in the eighties was a lot of that's money. a lot of dough. Murphy was was paid for the original for forty eight hours. He was paid two hundred thousand bucks. Okay, okay, that's all. When they filmed another forty eight hours. His fee was twelve million up front, <laughs> plus a percentage of the gross. Yeah, wow, that's what happens. You reach that level, and which explains why shot. eventually you would probably say, "Yeah, I'll do the film. Yeah. Don't expect me to put a lot of heart and soul into it." Yep. All right, definitive bad guy rankings here, and the criteria is how iconic are they, how ruthless are this they, is, and how charismatic are they? This is not going to be good. And I think, I mean, the bad guy. Brigitte Nielsen was the sidekick. Max Dent is the bad guy. Yeah, he's the main bad guy. He doesn't awful. So the top bad guys we reviewed are the Terminator, Hans Gruber from Die Hard, Michael Myers from Halloween, Cyrus the Virus from Con Air, Simon Phoenix from Demolition Man, Brad Wesley from Roadhouse, and Cobra Kai from Karate Kid. Those are the top seven. The bottom seven or so, the incompetent Russian military from Rambo 3, the muggers from Death Wish, the French drug lord from Bad Boys, Gans and Billy Bear from 48 Hours, Cullen from Kindergarten Cop, The Asteroid from Armageddon, and Parrot from Tango and Cash. The absolute middle of these rankings is Hertz from Shoot 'em Up, Colonel Stewart and General Esperanza from Die Hard 2, Lord Humongous from Mad Max 2, and Molaram from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, we got to scroll toward the bottom for this one, right? Oh, you could yeah. put it dead last. I think you could, too. There's, wow. no, there's nothing iconic. He doesn't really do anything. He, yeah, it, it's all He's not memorable. He's not no. charismatic. He's not good. Let's start from the bottom and work up, okay? Yep. The incompetent Russian military from Rambo 3. The muggers from Death Wish. Below. Uh, I didn't see Death Wish. He's, yeah, I think he's dead last. I think he's he's dead awful. Last. I hated Rambo 3, and at least they were like, there, there's some iconicness because it's Rambo. Yeah. No, this th- this was just nothing. This no- was awful. This was just nothing. Yeah. Yep. It's last, man. And that brings us to the 1 through 10 composite rating here. So the best movies we've reviewed in Action Movie Rewind, the only three 10s we've given out across the board are Terminator, Die Hard, and Halloween, followed by Taken at 9.5, John Wick, Commando, and the original Beverly Hills Cop, all a 9 or above. At the bottom of this list... The worst movies we have reviewed are Demolition Man, Kindergarten Cop, and Shoot 'em Up, all at 2.8 or 2.7. Bloodsport is a 3, and Mad Max 2 is a 3.7. Smack dab in the middle of our rankings, Code of Silence, Die Hard 2, Lethal Weapon, and Casino Royale. Mm -hmm. So 1 through 10, we'll start with Judd Zolgad. Can I start by saying, too, that, (laughs) that this film did one thing that drove me crazy, back to the bad guy, absolutely drove me nuts. So when... Somebody is, when they introduce the bad guy, right, and somebody is in his office talking to him, they do the whole thing where the camera is shooting him turned around in his chair, which led me to believe, since I hadn't seen this film previously, oh, my God, it must be a famous person. Like, it's going to turn around and be, I don't know, Charlton Heston or something, right? Yeah, Jack Palance. Yeah, exactly. And then the guy slowly (laughs) wheels around, and it's this schlep. Like, it's a, but seriously. Yeah. No, you're I, right. I was like, oh, cool. They've got a famous person. And they didn't. <laughs> um, so this film actually meets criteria to, to what we ordinarily enjoy because it's so bad. But here's my problem. You have to give an effort to get a grade from me. Like, you have to. You might suck, <laughs> but you tried different things or you actually, you tried, but you. this gets a one. Oof. Like, it, it was awful and they didn't do any work. Like, wow. you can't, this, the script for this film literally hit the side of the building because they threw it at the studio as they drove by. <laughs> Holy cow. They mailed this in beyond belief. Good for you. And I'm not going to be sucked into grading this as, like, it's fun to talk about, but I wouldn't give this film the time of day given, given the fact that they actually had stars. They, they had production people who were big names. And they did nothing. Yeah. It gets a one. Declan? Honestly, when I first watched, when we finished Locks, I like to do an instant reaction, and then I like to sleep on it. I, I, like, I like to make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm making the right decision. <laughs> I originally had three. I originally had a three. And that was mostly a heavy three for just Eddie Murphy being the greatness that he is. But this movie is so bad, and the plot is awful, and the more I talk this out, it's a one. It is a one. It is one. It's downgrading two more points. It's a one out of ten. It's bad. All right. So I I generally like to, I like to just pick a number and stick with it when I do this. And I picked a number last night, and I'm going to stick with it right now. It's a one. Oh, my God. Three ones across the board. Yeah. Fair. And I'll and, and I'll say that it's by far the the worst we've we've had the highest or the lowest scores to this point are two point eight two point eight two point seven. This is a one. This is the worst movie. I suppose we could give it a zero, but like this is the only one we've had. 
I was actually mad after I got done watching this movie. Yeah, me too. I was like, I was upset. That felt like a total waste of an opportunity to create a great sequel. And I, a lot of people figured this out, I'm sure, right after they spent their ten bucks or whatever, five bucks in 1987 at the movie theater. Yeah. But I haven't. I've been annoyed by some of our movies, like, oh, that wasn't as good as I remember it, or oh, that wasn't, uh, right. or whatever. But like, I've never been actually just disappointed in a movie like I was in Beverly Hills Cop Two. It just wasn't good. So it's a one. It All is right. the worst movie we have ever reviewed. Congratulations. Of the 44 in action movie reels. Zero effort given. Yeah. And so with that, it's probably a good time to announce not the going away <laughs> the of. The franchise is retiring. <laughs> but the hiatus of action movie rewind temporarily. All right. We're going to go on a temporary this hiatus. Has, this has caused you to be so disgusted <laughs> that you're done with AMR for now. There is a pause That's in the season, favorite. just like with sports. That's we're, my favorite. We're pausing. Yep. We've done. Listen, we've. This is. This was the. It's not COVID. This was the 44th action movie that we have reviewed going back almost a year. So we've we've done some work, man. Some of the most iconic movies. There's still some left on the board for sure. And we'll definitely get back to Action Movie Rewind. Okay. But last week, we debuted our first ever rom-com rewind, and it was a hit. Listen, it I know a lot, a, a lot of you told us to turn in our man cards. It was a hoot. You know what? Ironically, oh, I'm fine with that. I turned my man card in when I saw How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days twice in the theaters back in it's 2003. It's a good movie. Don't apologize. It's, good. Okay. it's a good movie. Yeah, I don't get to explain that. And so we're going to go on a run here. I don't know how many weeks, but we're going to go on a little run here of rom-com rewinds every Friday on Mackie and Judd. Love it. You guys down for it? Yes. Oh, rom-coms are great. I, I can't wait. Absolutely. Okay. I'm passionate about this genre. Yeah, sources tell me they'll like this too. So we've got a, we've got a list of, of various movies here. I want to throw two of them out for potential options for next week. I sure. think we can just collaborate here with with the early list here. I want to throw out Hitch. Okay. And some of these are coming from from listeners too. Okay. And I want to throw out The American President with right. Michael Douglas and Annette Bening. So and Michael J. Fox. Okay. Well, I feel like The American President even though I haven't seen it, but when we talked about it about yesterday or whatever it is, I feel like it's a isn't it a nice kind of blend too between like a drama and a, it's not like a cheese. It, it, it's not cheesy. It's like if West Wing right. was a rom com. Right. I and we should do it for sure, whether it's yeah. next week or at some. Point. I feel. I feel like if we are gonna truly dive in yep. to the going. genre of rom coms, that we should do Hitch. All right. Yes, Will I, Smith. It's like one if, of my all time favorite. Well, movies. and if we're gonna Me do too. this, let's do it. Yeah. Like. Like, if people think, do this, this yeah. is like, you're losing your man card, Zolgad. you damn okay, right. Okay, but then I'm going to just give it up. Right. Like, I'm not going to be like, but this is sort of an action <laughs> film. Yeah. Forgive me. Sometimes, no. Sometimes you got to ask the question, are we doing this? We're are doing we, this, Are we doing it. this? I think we go. Are we blurring the lines? What are we doing? I here? think we go rom-com. Hitch it is. Hitch. Next week. Alexander right. Hitchens, Alex man. Hitchens. Let's do it. It's a good movie. Alex, Alex Hitchens. And, Kevin and James. Albert Brenneman. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait for Albert Brenneman. Kevin James at his zenith, right? Yeah, I mean. Because like now he's in a TV show or something again, or like a Netflix show. But The zenith of mustard stains on pants as well. No in this one movie. who had less game yep. than Albert Brenneman. Nobody lost and gained weight like Kevin James. Oh, God. I, I, this is awesome. Be skinny Kevin James. I might watch this Kevin twice. James. I might just watch it twice. Great. By the way, it's probably on TBS this week. Yeah. Just going to throw that out there. All almost, right. almost always on I TBS. Lo- you know what? Let's clean the palette. All right. We're going to clean the palette from Beverly Hills Cop 2. Action Movie Rewind, you're on timeout because of what just happened with the Beverly Hills Cop 2. Rom-com Rewind. Actually, can we just do a full episode of Judd singing a cappella? Yeah. The... 
Pum, 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 para, pum, pum. Pum, 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 para, pum. Yeah. Hey, look, man, I'm a businessman, okay? I got to make moves. I'm moving constantly. You know? I'm moving all the time. Business, you know? If you can't help me, I go do something else because I'm business. I got to move all the time, okay? Excuse me. I got business to take care of. Don't have me stand around like a fool, man. Three hours. Three hours. Three hours. Three hours. Three hours. Three hours. Three hours.